Episode 71 of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberry, joined once again by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Hey y'all, Courtney. Hey y'all, Ben. How you doing? End I'm, of the week in Charleston, how you holding up? I'm really stuffed with food right now. Yeah. I may descend into a food coma mid-podcast, and I apologize for that in advance, but these are the things that happen when you go to Charleston. We're prepared for that because we have a lot of audio from earlier in the week coming up, oh, so you don't. Ha- we luckily don't have to go for too long tonight. We, early in the week, recorded a guest hit with Andrea Petkovic after her second round win, I believe, and then... Our first return guest. She was our first guest, our first full-fledged guest, and then she um, Last was, year at Indian Wells. Yeah, last year at Indian Wells, and so a little over a year later, we brought her back, and it wound up being a nice little bump for Andrea because she walks out of here, or flies out of here, to use the more technical term for how she left Charleston, uh, on an airplane with a trophy in the overhead compartment. It's a good honor. Absolutely, and you're welcome. Yeah, I think we deserve a lot of credit for this, really. 100% of the credit, really. I was going to say... We are the Nick Saviano behind her uh, her success. Explain that reference for people who might not get it. Um, If anybody was watching ESPN this week, then you may have noticed that there was a lot of attention paid to Nick Saviano, who is the coach to Eugenie Bouchard. Uh-huh. And obviously Bouchard had a very nice run here. Very uh, good. Had a tough draw. and uh, beat, Really tough draw. Yeah, beat Venus in three sets, beat Elena Yankovic in three sets, and narrowly lost to Pekovic um, in the semifinals. It's fine, like I get, talking about coaches. They are a relevant part of the equation in tennis. But what I don't understand, Ben, is split-screening in the middle of a game. In middle the of third points. Set, middle of points. Yeah. Middle of points. Nick Saviano, as he watches Eugenie Bouchard play her matches. That is where I have an issue. It was a bit much. A bit. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. I've never I've seen... I've never seen that. They didn't even do that with Lendl. They don't even do that with Becker. They don't do it with <laughs> Lendl, Edberg. Lendl, in fairness, would never have emoted. But not Saviano wasn't emoting either. That's was, the thing. He was tracking the ball with his eyes as it went across the net, and then he was occasionally smiling or raising his fist when she won the point. I, I agree with you, Courtney. It was not worthwhile production. And I do think it raises all the, you know, all the old issues about what the optics of on-court coaching are for WTA. If this, uh, if if Saviano suddenly becomes a relevant person during points where it's worth people, we were watching it on a big screen. I think we were both in the uh, tent at the end of that match, uh, not in the stadium itself. And it was a big screen. It was still not totally easy to see the points. So imagine if you're watching on a on smaller phone, TV or on a phone. Watch ESPN, which they tout. Yeah, and you're like split screening, like half your screen is taken up with Nick Saviano staring at tennis. Yeah, what is that about? That was just. I'm sorry, I had issue with it. I have issue with the idea that these players get all the all the flack when they lose, and then when they do well, their coaches are like the greatest thing, and they are the reason why this player does well. This has been an issue that I've had with respect to the Moratoglu Serena dynamic, uh-huh. and how Patrick Moratoglu is kind of celebrated as being the man who tur- the man behind Serena, the man who turned her career around. I'm sorry. I mean, in the same way Bouchard and Saviano, yes, she gives him a ton of credit for her success uh-huh. um, and kind of her development as a player, especially over the last year and a half. But at the end of the day, Jeannie Bouchard has to execute. Jeannie Bouchard has to decide what kind of player she wants to be, and credit should then go to her for making the right decisions. 
So Janine Bouchard made the semifinals. One other, we'll talk about the other semifinal briefly before we dive headfirst into Petco land. Uh, the other semifinal featured Yana Shepilova and Belinda Bencic. Match of played, the year. Oh, why? Match of the year, explain. It was so dramatic. It was so, it was thoroughly entertaining. And Ben, you can talk about it more than I, because I, ta- I was watching most of the match from the media center with sound off. Yeah. And you were obviously courtside. This was so. not a sound off kind of match because there was so much uh, audio that came out of both these women's mouths. Not grunting. They weren't doing a whole lot of midpoint grunting, some occasional. Um, but really, it was about the shouting. And, and Shepilova, who we talked about very briefly on the last show because it was right after she beat Serena, really backed it up so well and played such a fun game. Really, we didn't know anything about her before this week. And she came out and she backed up that result, beat Veznina, beat Hantukova and then beat Benchich in a third set tiebreak and just had this way of exhorting herself on. She was like, <laughs> after she won points, it was very barky and, and fun. And Benchich, despite the comparison to, despite being Swiss, let's say, is not exactly a reserve of calm on the court all the time. She was letting her emotions be pretty visible, mostly the more negative emotions, I think it's fair to say. Not that she wasn't positive also. Um, but yeah, Chepilova was shouting Pome! and it's like in a, in, in a uh, which is what Dominika Sibilkova, uh shouts as well. Although I think Tumani, uh, carry all on Twitter, <laughs> aptly described the shouts as almost being demonic because there was this sort of like scariness to them, and the crowd would would actually like laugh uncomfortably after some <laughs> after some of these shouts. And so she was shouting Pome, and then Benchich pretty much sounded like she was shouting Pome right back at uh, Chepilova, despite not being Slovak by any measure. So it was just a lot of drama, and it was fun, and it was a great match, deep in a third set tiebreak, and those and two both so have bright drama. futures. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and there was just so much drama. And, and point quality, too. It was a high-quality match. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. A few chokes here and there, but understandable, because these are two players who were playing for an opportunity of who knows how their careers will pan out, but at least for now, an opportunity of a lifetime Yeah. to compete for a premier title in Charleston against somebody who's ranked outside of the top 30. Yeah, um, Pekovic is not... She could have lost it. She could have easily lost it. Chepilova had a set point in the first set. Yeah, Pekovic was not a prohibitive favorite against either of them just because Pekovic also, this is only her third WTA title. She'd never won one this big. She hasn't had a lot of great tournaments lately. So, yeah, so this was an opportunity, and they both played really well. Neither of them uh, choked, I don't think, and it was a great match, and the future looks bright. There looks like there's a lot of fun personalities, especially because Chepilova in particular was not somebody on anybody's radar before this week. And for all we know, this was the peak of her career. She'll never be this good again. But we like, I think we like what we saw from her. Absolutely. I, I would be surprised if this is her, the peak of her career. Yeah, She's 20 say, years yeah. old. She played a great game. And in speaking with a lot of people you know, throughout the week, watching her progress through the draw, I mean, there was a lot to like about her game. There yeah. was an intelligence behind it. Tactically, I think that she was pretty great, which is awesome considering her coach wasn't here yeah yeah she played well you know i mean i would have liked her to see her play with a little bit more variety against pekovic in the final yeah, but she got tight and yeah. sometimes when you're a variety player and you get tight you just tend to try to baseline with people and right. you lose your creativity yeah but uh but i think there's a lot to like about her and, and ben and i were talking about chepilova being someone who is a dark horse to me a dark horse candidate for the second week of wimbledon I think so. I think we'll, I think obviously this was a clay court tournament, and she showed some clay court shots, but she gets these really great angles. She has an incredible drop shot, and there's no reason why grass can't be a good surface for her, too, assuming she can move well on the stuff, because some players have 
problems early in their careers getting used to that. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. I think it could be quite a good year for her. She's on the verge of top 50 with this result and looks onward and upward. Uh, she lost in the final to Andrea Petkovic. Courtney, before we get to all the Petco audio, what was this l week with Petco like for you, and what do you think this means for her career? I mean, I think it was great. I mean, I think that, you know, we obviously spent quite a bit of time with Petkovic this week simply because we interviewed her for the podcast. We were obviously there for all of her press conferences. She had doubles, so we were watching her doubles courtside. Describe, um, describe the doubles before we move on from that. It was amazing. I mean, there's nothing more to say. I mean, like, in terms of articulating it, it's just fun and uh you know she played doubles with Yelena Yankovic and it was just fun to watch I mean that's all <laughs> yeah but yeah no I mean I think that for her you know she's a self-described doubter she doubts herself you can see that all the time I mean she's a realist and very pragmatic very smart and very smart and, and smart that... doesn't always translate to confidence on the tennis court in fact it's usually the opposite exactly her intelligence can get in her own way because she you know, can't be stupid. She can't trick herself into thinking, oh, this isn't a big match because it is a big match. Or, you know, this isn't a big opportunity, like play with no pressure. She's, she'll be the first to admit, I'm the favorite. There is pressure on my shoulders. Yeah. So for her at 26 to win the biggest title of her career in Charleston in what was, I think, a quality run. Obviously, she didn't have to beat, like, major names. But Serena. So, yeah. yeah, but so much about Pekovic is about um, not letting herself beat herself. Yeah, And I think that she obviously succeeded with that. Nice three-set win against Lucy Safarova. Again, the match against Bouchard was phenomenal. And uh, for her to come out on top of that was, was great, especially after being blown out in the first set, 6-1. But in terms of what it means for her career, I think that if Andrea Pekovic has no better result than this Charleston final, I think her career will be nothing but successful. Yeah, I would never describe it as underachieving. I think that, yeah, I, I, you know, but I think that she did need kind of a premier level title to, at, to her name to kind of solidify that, that, that she ne didn't underachieve, that she did something significant. Yeah, and, she, and this is a tournament that we were talking about during the week to each other. There are not a lot of people who won this tournament wound up being flash in the pans. I mean, you see everyone, I think, at least of the recent champions, went back pretty far, who won this title either won a slam, was in a slam final, or was ranked top three. And the top three person is a caveat only for Petrova, I think, who's as, as random as the type, as the champs get here, which is not very random, let's be clear. I mean, Lasicki was the other slam finalist who's a little bit odder, but then the people, if you go back, Serena won it, Venus won it, Yankovic, Graf, Hingis, Enin, you know, lots of good people won this title. And I think that uh, Pekovic, obviously I'm not saying she's going to have a career on par with those people necessarily. There's no immediate reason to guarantee that at this point, but it was, a, it was a solid, solid effort for her and puts her back in a category of relevancy where we have, where we're happy to have her. It's just like it is with Golbus a lot. I think we were comparing her, I think maybe you're about the same thing on the men's side. Um, Golbus uh, is now more relevant. He was always a fun character to have around, but now his results are catching up. He gets to be a top 20-ish player and uh, it makes it better when the characters are main characters. And it was great to see too. I mean, when you talk about characters and you talk about personalities on the tour, you know, Petkovic, as opposed to a Golbis, yeah. is so kind of well liked. And, and I think in the locker room, people root for her. Like yeah. she's kind of one of, aside from her top 10 foray in 2011, she is a journey woman. She started late in her career, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, had to go through so many injuries, which I think a lot, I think players really empathize with other players when they're just like snake bitten yeah for the most part and 
you know, that was really Pekovic's just bad luck dating back to, what was it, 2009 you, uh, Aussie Open? That she busted, right. That she busted her... her, her ACL against, ACL against Chakotazi. Chakotazi. Like, first game of the Literally match. Literally, like, three minutes into the match. Um, and that was, like, her, like, her, like, uh, slam debut, too. Something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty tragic. So to go from that to, like, everybody who falls uh, tennis kind of knows her injury history uh, since then. You know, it's just nice to see a player win and you see publicly the congratulations from other players, whether current... I mean, I, you know, Anna Ivanovich, Donna Vekic, Laura Robson, you know, they were all Madison tweeting her. Keys, yeah. Madison Keys. And then former players, Kim Kleisters and Kian Pavong, uh, they were, you know, tweeting her congratulations. And then even over to the ATP with Feliciano Lopez, her former doubles partner at Wimbledon, yeah. uh, tweeting her congratulations as well. Um, I think that that's just, it speaks volumes uh, with respect to her kind of character and, and personality on tour. And uh, the women's game would be better if she were a top 20 player because it means that she'd be part of all access hour. She'd be part of more promotional stuff. And she is a tremendous face for the tour. Completely agree. And she's a tremendous voice for the tour as well. You're going to get to hear a lot of her voice here. Uh, we're going to start off actually with the interview we did with her, which is a little bit not normal format just to keep it chronological because there are a couple running jokes and things that come up. Coldplay? Coldplay to to keep it chronological. So we'll start with the full interview we did, which is a longer one, and her second time on the show. If you want to go back really far and do totally chronological, the first time we talked to her was episode 30 from last year. If you want to go back and listen, it's a good one. It's a great one. It's a great one. And uh, go listen to that and then come back here. Thanks for joining us again. And yeah, then listen to this interview. And then we'll have some press conference highlights from her as well. And we'll have her outro play out the end of the episode or the middle maybe twice we'll see how i feel it's going down thank you again for joining us uh that's courtney on beatbox and i'm ben rothenberg on normal vocals you're welcome for that you don't want to hear me beatbox as always you can follow us along outside the listening experience by liking us on facebook facebook.com slash ncr podcast you can also follow us on twitter at ncr underscore tennis and you can review us and like and subscribe to us on iTunes and any other way you want to get in touch with us. We're always happy to have you get involved in the show. Facebook comments, Twitter responses, all that good stuff. Interview we, requests. Yeah. We'll take those. Yeah. We'll be yeah. around. We, yeah. We're happy to get to make your dreams come true as best we can. We are your proxy people. We are one of you. We are people who were fans who now just happen to have tremendous accents, access and accents, if we wanted them. <laughs> you should hear Ben's Cockney accent. It's special. I have a Cockney accent. <laughs> That's Aussie, too. That wasn't... I can do Aussie. <laughs> you can That's do all Aussie. I can Your do. Your default is Aussie. Yeah, and then anything else you tell me, like, oh, wait, that was Aussie, Aussie again. <laughs> yeah, sorry um, about that. But yeah, yeah you know, definitely right. let us know. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Enjoy Andrea Petkovic. I know that Ben and I did this week in Charleston, and uh, she's a gem. One of a kind. Welcome back to the show, Andrea Pekovic. Thank you. I'm so excited. You're our first return guest. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm very so we're honored. We're, really, we're honored. We're honored you, you didn't work, you weren't put off the last time that we talked to at Indian Wells, I believe, last year. Yes, I had a lot of fun. I will always uh, cherish that moment with you guys. <laughs> so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> Don't so, believe you. Last year since then has been pretty good for you overall? Uh, I think so. Overall, yeah. I had a few changes. I changed my coach. Mm -hmm. So that's been a, kind of a rough, rough path for me because I. I was used to my coach, to Peter, and I, I still miss him, but it was, I think, the right decision. I just needed some new inspiration. And, um, well, and yeah, after the comeback, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, so I've been, um, it's been a roller coaster, but I've enjoyed it so far. What, so. what, what were the ups? Like, uh, the up, how about that? Not even, no, the up. <laughs> well, the up year. was definitely, of last year or? Uh, like the last 12 months or okay. so, yeah. Uh, well, the definite most biggest up was, uh, was our semifinals in uh, Fed Cup when we beat Slovakia. I think that was for all of us, it was so exciting and just being able to share such mm -hmm. a happy moment, it was so really really nice although we missed Sabina we have to say because she's somehow still part of the team obviously and so um, that was kind of um, that was kind of sad but anyways it was uh, it was a huge honor and just very a lot of emotions mm -hmm. and after that I had a I had a big letdown in my career as a singles tennis player <laughs> but uh, but yeah but that was I think a biggest step but also Washington the mm -hmm. finals there then winning in Marseille even though it was a challenger still a title it was was nice to have it under the belt so all in all it's been pretty good but um, obviously there were also a few tournaments where I played played bad but because you know I was used to being very consistent and reaching all my quarterfinals semifinals mm -hmm. and just winning a few matches almost every tournament and now I have to readjust again. Yeah, readjust <laughs> expectations or readjust, like what do you have to readjust? Uh, I, think, Game, I think especially readjust, um, it's simple as that not being seated mm, and then yeah. sometimes losing to Serena in second round in a good match or Cornet in a good match yeah. in second round um, and I think that's a biggest readjustment yeah. because uh, in previous, when I was um, in the top 10 seed especially, I. I didn't play always well, but somehow I got, yeah. I got through the first three rounds and then I played well against the top girls because I knew I, I had to and also um, because I was in the tournament. And now I play, sometimes I play still, I still play well and then I lose these matches 7-5 yeah. in the third against the top players. And uh, so I think that's the biggest readjustment, just not being seated. <laughs> so how hard is that just in tennis? Obviously this happens to everybody. I mean, like this tournament, there are 48 players, I yeah. think, and 47 of them will leave losers. Yeah. I mean, almost everyone yeah. loses and you have to lose almost every week. That's how true. Do you, how, is that like emotionally exhausting or do you have to try to make it not as painful? Well, yeah. Well, it depends how you take it, obviously. I see some girls laughing or especially the guys, I think they handle it very well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the type that handles uh, losses very well, I have to admit, but um, I've been better sometimes. I actually, I'm better when I play a good match than I'm, I'm mm. kind of... Um, but when it's important, like the Grand Slams, and I played awful in the past year, the Grand Slams, and uh, or the big tournaments like India Wells, I was yeah. I was done for like a week. I think I was in a depression. I didn't. I know people were texting me, hey, "You want to go to dinner?" And I'm, I didn't text back. And the next day, I texted them, "Listen, sorry, I was in, the, in bed the last yeah, yeah, 18 yeah. hours. I didn't get out, <laughs> and I was I couldn't pick up my phone to text you. I'm sorry." <laughs> so, so you get so you then get I assume then get like super emo and kind of like don't talk to me like after exactly. tough moments like you're not like a yeah. that's your post loss ritual exactly my post. <laughs> Lost Ritual is basically searching for new Bonnie Bear videos on YouTube. <laughs> See, that's what I do when I'm in a good mood. So, like, I don't, I, it's best if I'm not in a bad mood because then it gets really dark. Well, he just he just feeds my emo, emo state, I guess, and so I. 
Uh, that's what I do after a loss, or the National, or Bonnie Bear, you know, yeah. all these emo bands. Question on that, how do you, obviously because not only, you're around so many other players who lose, how do you act to a player when you know they've just lost? This is a good question because that's I never very, know what to do. Me neither. <laughs> you don't know, but you're around it. I know, but I, I just don't know what to do because I, I, I don't know, I don't know. For example, I saw Madison after mm -hmm. the yeah. crazy match right yeah. now where she lost 7-6 in the third, coming back 500 times. And she played a good match, I'm sure, but then she must be devastated because she she was serving for the match. So I don't know if I should go there and say, "Hey, bad luck," which is the worst somehow. Okay, bad see, luck. That's what I'm. This is what I'm wondering. Like, what is the we worst should, thing that this. somebody tells you? Like, if somebody loses, like, should be like, "Oh, bad luck," or nice try. Uh, good nice, effort. Nice. Don't say nice try. Yeah, that, that sounds horrible. <laughs> right? Like, nice like, try. I don't know. Well, bad luck is not that bad. I think it. It sounds bad in the first, but then again, you see that it depends also maybe on in which tone you say it. But yeah. you, I guess, you see that the other one's kind of caring, right? Yeah. If he goes like bad luck. But uh, then in such a match saying bad luck, I don't know, it wasn't the right thing. So I just didn't say anything and I also felt bad yeah, I because I wanted to yeah. somehow, you know, help, not help her, but just say something that I cared that she lost because yeah. I really wanted her to win. Yeah. And then I just stood there silently and she walked by. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what to say either. It's tough. It's, it's, it's really very difficult. Tough. We could do it yeah. all the time in press. We have loser, yeah. losers come in and we have to like start press conferences. It's like that awkward <laughs> moment where it's like a, like a post-loss press conference and they're like, questions please? And everybody's like, <laughs> oh God. And finally, yeah. somebody has to be like, so what are I your know. thoughts? It's the worst. So just yeah. on, sort of on that note, like when there are like a big player loses in a press, in a tournament, if you're friends mm -hmm. with them or not, whatever, yeah. how, what kind of impact does that make? Like Serena mm -hmm. lost here last night. What does that do to the other players who are in the building when that happens? Well, I think what uh, the most what it does is that everybody is kind of in awe. And I feel like all the top players get, not scared, that's the wrong word, but everybody's like, wow, that can happen to anybody, mm -hmm. you know, kind mm -hmm. of that. And to the um, lower seed players, maybe they're like, oh, okay, all right, you know. And yeah. then those in the half of the draw are like, oh, come on, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, because obviously it's a bigger chance for them. So it's uh, kind of mixed emotions, but um, def definitely everybody notices mm -hmm. and uh, everybody's watching is like, okay. And sometimes I think it also, for, to me, it happened in Grand Slams, for example, when I lost to Sloan in Wimbledon. Yeah. And I came, from the, I came from the court and I was at the same time happy because I never played this ball on grass before. Yeah. <laughs> I sucked on grass You and your before. relationship with grass. Exactly. So one. I was kind of happy that I played better, but then I lost 9-7 or 8-6 in the third. I don't even remember. Yeah which kind of sucks. So I was in this mixed emotion. I came down from court and I looked at the screen and it was the day where all the seeds had lost, yeah. like everybody. Yeah. And I kind of felt better. <laughs> and that's the worst thing about it. You feel better right. when the other ones are even worse. You well, know? it shows that it, there's like some sort of normalcy about it, about losing, yeah. that losing actually exactly. can happen to everybody. And it's not like something's wrong with you exactly. specifically because you lost. I think that's, that's the case, but it's also, I think, something human. Yeah. Because for example, I was here, I'm here now for eight weeks. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Even though I love being in the States, but I'm ready to go home. And this is one of my favorite tournaments, but I just want to be home <laughs> very soon. And uh, Peter, I was talking to Peter and he's here with Karlovic and they're playing Davis Cup in Mexico or something. Yeah. And I texted him, I'm like, after I lost in Miami, I'm like, I gotta have, I have to stay here 10 more days. What should I do with my life? I want to kill myself. I think I'm going to hang myself in the bathroom. Uh -huh. And then he texts me back. Don't worry. I have to stay here another four weeks. I'm like, thank you. That actually made me feel better because I know somebody else has it worse in life. That's very German of you. <laughs> you know, like, oh, are you miserable? 
<laughs> I'm less miserable. So I'm actually now happy, I think. <laughs> I'm a horrible person, but it's really made me feel better. That's all good. I mean, going back to that and talking about Peter, and obviously you are one of the WTA players that has like a lot of connections on the ATP side mm -hmm. and you get along with them all and stuff yeah. like that. And one thing that I've always wondered is, do you think that like, because you're saying like ATP players handle losses pretty well. Like yeah. they're, they're like, okay, you move on to the next one. Yeah. The girls different yeah um but is th do you ever get the sense though that like with the guys almost like there's this capitulation that there's this idea of like all right it's not my week or oh i lost to yeah. like i'm playing this person so i don't have a chance because i never get that sense on the women's side i feel like one through 100 every single girl like believes that they can beat whoever is across That's and like true. when they lose they're completely devastated and you're yeah. like you're ranked number 99 why are you so mad you lost to number 14 yeah but there's so you know and it's like a different level of an almost intensity it is or caring it, i don't know yeah well i think what um i think there are two two things to uh, what what makes it different i think the girls define themselves more over the sport right mm -hmm. so yeah. they're um their image of themselves I think depends a lot on if they win or if they lose yeah, so when sense. they lose they feel like my whole life is shitty yeah. right because I lost and that was the thing that I was defining myself over. and I think the guys don't do that yeah. they're like hey I still am hot or whatever <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. or I still can have 10 girls yeah. I can still go drinking and my life I can hit fine. the club after this exactly. like fine like I'm gonna have a really nice night exactly. out and like, yeah whatever. I yeah. think that's one thing and then obviously that girls are more emotional and the third thing is definitely what you said that I think all the girls they go into the court and they think if I lose this match that's gonna change my life somehow in a weird way you yeah. know they're like that's gonna tell me that I suck that I'm not good enough to be in the top if you look yeah. if you're 80 in the world and you lose to a top 20 that kind of shows you I'm not ready to be in a top 20 and that sort of crushes your world because obviously your goal is always to become better right. and better and I think the girls think about too many things around right if you lose that on that day against the number 20 world okay what yeah. the heck try it next time but um, at that moment you feel like okay that means I'm not good enough to be in the top 20 that means I'm always gonna be 80 I don't want that my life is gonna suck yeah. I want to go home but I'm never so, gonna find a it's husband such, it's exactly I mean it's so different right because like I, we talked to like some of the younger like ATP guys mm -hmm. they come in and after losses and they're like oh it's basically they say it's not my time yet okay right? I'm too young right. like you know like maybe in five or six years and all these guys are gone and yeah. so you know Tomic or Harrison and yeah. all these guys are like eh, it's cool like yeah. you know it's all part of a process you talk to like somebody who's like 16 years old like a bench hitch or something yeah. after she loses and it's like oh like you know why like, is it not yeah, coming it not yet right now? Yeah. it's just like a totally different mentality it's so weird right it's so weird but I I, I definitely I am the same I'm uh, I always um, I'm close to most of the ATP, ATP players and I'm, I'm quite sure I'm not a typical typical girl but I have these emotions as well I just um, it changes each tournament sometimes I'm fine sometimes I'm not uh, yeah, yeah. After, like after a new world so uh, I'm I'm mixing between two worlds what do you make of this this is I think is the biggest at least they say it is the biggest women only tournament now on the whole yeah tour. I think so isn't yeah, it? yeah and Stuttgart maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. and Stuttgart is the same so what is that like for you? You've obviously mixed. Do you like having women-only events? Would you like to see everything together? Or yeah. do you think the tour needs an identity by itself sometimes? Or Well, I like, I like both. I, like, um, I actually do like women's tournaments a lot because I think um, when I see all these people here, so many people coming and really appreciating what we do, I think that uh, shows us a lot of respect. Because sometimes when the guys are there, also with the scheduling Miami, I heard the TV scheduling yeah, was kind of rough for the women's. So, um, so I think um, they sometimes uh, 
they give us, maybe they don't mean to, but sometimes it gives us the feeling we are just there, but the men's are the main attraction, Your the men's tourists, yeah. exactly, and we are just there you're to the sort of act. feel the, exactly, yeah, like we're the opening. Unknown, unknown opening act for exactly. like some major band or something. And we're never going to make it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thank you, and everybody's, you know, <laughs> talking while you're performing. Flying. They're barely paying attention to you. But here, like, here you can match with JJ. Dude, yeah. that crowd was insane. So cool. That was so crazy, yeah. yeah. And that's doubles. Yeah, and yeah. that's doubles. No, I, that's why I really like, also in Stuttgart, the stands are always full, the people stay until late at night and they watch and um, and all the tickets are sold out and they make a lot of money you know they can sell the tickets mm -hmm. for expensive uh, very expensive prices so I think that shows that women's tennis is still out there and there is a reason that we are the um, most famous female yeah. sports out there because it, it I mean it's incredible what these girls do and uh, and I think it's nice to be to be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, talking about doubles really quickly. We need yeah. your best. We need your best Yelena Yankovic story. <laughs> you guys are buddies. Everybody. I mean, tennis fans, especially listeners, and no challenges remaining. Everybody kind of loves JJ for her absolute preposterousness and um, just her being her. So we want your best story. Well, um, JJ, I will just. The story there are so many <laughs> but just yesterday before the match started so we've warmed up the umpire says time everybody is waiting Liesl already is there almost ready to serve I'm kind of ready to return and JJ goes like Andrea do you have lip gloss <laughs> everybody looks at her and I'm like do I look like I have lip gloss I don't think I ever owned lip gloss in my whole life and she really needed lip gloss right and she needed the lip gloss and I remember so this because you guys were at the chair, exactly, right? And you yeah. were like getting ready to go back to the court to return. Exactly. And the, I just, because I was across the court, and I heard the entire crowd on that side, the ladies right in front, yeah. crack up. And I was like, <laughs> darn it, I don't know what they said. Like something just happened that was amazing. So it was about lip well, gloss. Well, lip gloss, so Elena needed lip gloss. And she wouldn't start the match without lip gloss. So she turns to the umpire and she's like, and then she finds somewhere the closed lip gloss. She's like, I cannot open my lip gloss. Could you please open the lip gloss for me? And the umpire is like kind of laughing, kind of not really believing what's happening right now. I'm kind of embarrassed, but at the same time laughing. And I love JJ. She's so unique. She's, She's a character. Do you think she realizes what a personality she is? Because I don't get the attention. Always realize. <laughs> we try to it. tell her, like, do you I think realize how entertaining you are? And she's like, what? She doesn't entirely like, get it. She doesn't entirely get it. <laughs> no, I think she's. But that's why I love her. Because you know, some people that don't know her, they think she puts on a show, right. but she doesn't. That's she's her. exactly how she. If I am alone in, with her in the locker room or in the bathroom, she's exactly the same. She doesn't put on a show, and that's why I love her because she's just honest, mm -hmm. and she's the way she is. And yes, she is horrendously unique. <laughs> <laughs> that is just the best description. Horrendously unique. <laughs> but, but I you love, love her. I love her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we had a game we wanted to play with you that okay. we do on the podcast by ourselves when we had the show, but we thought we'd give you a shout out. It's okay. called Take a Number. Okay. And what we do is we have a random number generator, oh, and we God. usually do it between 1 and 100. Okay. And we pick a number and find the player who corresponds to that number on the rankings oh, God. and okay. talk about them. Okay. So I'll let you pick the how much... How much, what kind of range are you comfortable with? Do you want to do top 100? Do you want to do top 50? Who are you going to know? Let's see. You let's can try see. top 100 and see if it works. And it could yeah, still... let's do top 100. Okay, let's, Give it let's a go. do it. It's yeah. fun. It's embarrassing when we get stumped. Yeah. Like, there have been names that pop up and like, I don't know. I don't know. Really? We had like Alejandro Gonzalez show up and we were like, I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, God. Okay, so here we go. Ready? You can hit the button yourself. Okay. So, hit what? Generate. Oh, okay, there. and they do. And 
78. Okay, okay. Ooh, this, this is, is, this is dicey. Here we one go. time we got number one, and so we got really? number one, Serena oh, and Novak, good. and it was good. Right, 78 <laughs> on the men's tour. Oh, on the men's tour, I have to do men's Either way. Oh, you might know this guy. Okay. It's uh, Dushan Lajevic. Oh, yeah. You know Dushan. I know him. And 78 on the women's tour. Does it make them a couple? <laughs> it's Yana Shepalova who just oh, beat good. Serena. There you go. So what, what do you Timely. what do you know? We call them dance partners usually. Okay. And it could yeah. be what you know. It can be a funny story. It can okay. be whatever it or is. Just what, yeah. Anything yeah. you know about. Okay. It. You get to rip. Well, um, I know Dushan because he's Serbian, obviously, and uh, we stayed at the same hotel in Miami. I think we were the only players there with Robin Hase, uh -huh. and he's very very nice guy. I mean, he's just absolute. He's like really really nice. Is he kind of the baby brother of like the Fed? I mean, is it of the Davis Cup team? Yeah. It seems like all those guys like yeah they kind they of take like take care him of, him. Yeah. Yeah. of him yeah they're very protective of him yeah but he's also because he's such a sweet guy you know you just feel this he looks he's like very nice sweet yeah. yeah and he's um always saying hi always um taking care of me we never talked uh talked a lot but always um about the matches and he's just very very humble and um and he was there with his mother Aww. yeah he very was there cute. with his mother and she's also a very nice person so I think uh, my mother was there also. I think that they talked a little bit, the mothers. Oh, nice. <laughs> Is that I'm right? I'm not sure. I, I didn't ask what they talked about. Is like matchmaking going on? Uh, no, going on? no, no, no. <laughs> so. He's a little young for me, although I like young boys. <laughs> Younger boys. <laughs> is, is, it, is, it, is there like kind of like when you're a kid, like sometimes if you have like play dates and your parents become friends with other your oh, parents? Yeah. Does that happen in tennis? Is there like a, another layer socially of like all the parents hang out together? Does that happen? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, for example, my mother always tells me something. Oh, you know whose mother is very nice. You should talk to her more. And then she goes like, Burr, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I will. And then it's awkward because sometimes you don't have anything to talk about. Like, oh, mothers talked yesterday. Yay, high five. <laughs> the moms know everything. The moms know all the yeah. gossip. If you talk to the moms, they know, they know everything. All the gossip. They like opinions. historically, too. Yeah. Like, and you know, Annika like, Beck knows all the gossip. Is that I right? Her. Annika Beck, she's amazing. We're I don't want to even listen. When we go to dinner, I'm like, la la la, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know this. <laughs> <laughs> I just close my ears. I don't want to know all she's the She's the us reporter. The, the us reporter. Yeah. People, people reporter for uh, exactly. for tennis. She's the, um, how do you call this show? TMZ? TMZ. Yeah, yeah. TMZ. <laughs> Annika Beck, tennis is TMZ. Noted. You, you, you try to stay away from the gossip because just in general social terms? Or do you feel like, oh, if I know like who this player is dating and I have to play them it'll be like distracting for me or something. <laughs> no, I, for two reasons I stay away from it. Okay. Uh, first of all, because I never want to be gossiped about. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I never gossip. That's, that's just my rule because... Um, Good karma. Exactly. Because JJ, I, JJ just walked by and waved, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, exactly. That's my, my rule. I hate being gossiped about and just and I have a lot of friends on the ATP tour so we go for dinner and I hate when we go for dinner and somebody sees us they go like... So that's, I don't want to ever happen to me, so that's why I never gossip. Yeah. And second of all, I never believe the stuff. And then actually it's true. I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And I keep closing my And so I'm always the I'm Until the end, even when I see them, if I would see them kissing in front of me, I'll go like, that's not true. It's not true. I still believe in this paradise, ATP, WTA world. too much of it. Exactly. So I, I don't believe in anything. Fair that's enough. Fair. <laughs> that's fair. So that's that's Lajovic. But it's good because they're talking about the player and then you go, that's completely different. Exactly. That's the fun thing. It's like jumping off. Anything on Sepalova? 
You know anything um, about her? I don't know her a lot, but I saw her in Pet Cup for a week almost. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, the feeling I got that she's very shy. Yeah. I don't know because I um, she was always there, but she never really talked. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, Domi and uh, Daniela obviously are already like standout personalities, very strong mm -hmm. characters. So um, they were always there talking with the press. And when she was addressed, she was I had the feeling kind of shy and taken yeah. aback and more kind of an introvert. But um, but uh, oh, very nice, also very nice. Always, um, always. She reminds me kind of a little bit of an Ashley Barty. Oh yeah. There's something about That's like true. I was looking at her last night, like playing, and then when she came into press, I was like, you just have this Barty. <laughs> like I don't know if it's like baby face or whatever, yeah, but true. it's the same thing. Very exactly, shy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very shy, quiet, yeah. but uh, but a very nice person. That's what I got. And she played doubles. She played really well because I thought. Um, it's gonna be difficult because it was a death rubber, mm -hmm. and uh, but she played really well, very motivated and good forehand. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so like just last topic, just because we'll be putting this up in a little bit. But mm -hmm. Med Cup, you guys yeah. have it rough. You have oh, to fly yeah. all the way to Australia That's so crazy. Um, to compete in that tie. I mean, a, a very big one for, mm. for Germany. And then you got to fly back for Stuttgart. I know. Uh, the entire German team. Last so. year it worked well when you had Stuttgart back to back. This year, I know. You guys were like, you know, yeah. just camped out at home for two. So, I, I mean, talk about the Fed Cup thing. I mean, do you, like, uh, do you like the Fed Cup schedule? You think it should be changed? A lot of people think it should be like all completely format change. I think so too. I would love if we could have it in one week like it used to be I think or at the Mans it was like this I'm not sure. Kind of like, like everybody at one. Exactly like a draw yeah, like you know. Cup, kind like of. Cup. Yeah like Hoffman Cup yeah, yeah. kind of just yeah. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it'd be fun if it was like a, a, an exhibition style. Yeah so, that's yeah. true maybe. So uh, I would I would much rather prefer that just because of all the scheduling. I mean I lost half of my season because of Fed Cup right. and it's just we have the feeling we can win it this year, and that's why we are kind of sacrificing every, everything, everybody, and doing taking the leap, you know, and going to freaking Australia. It's such a long track. <laughs> it's such a long... And I, well, I remember the last tweet I sent when I uh, flew off Australia. I was like, farewell, Australia. See you soon. No, not see you soon. See you next year or something. I'm like, shit, <laughs> I'm going like, I'm back. back. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my sunscreen out again. Exactly. I'm like, get used to the fly. And just for one week, you know, yeah. and after Australia, this was the worst jet lag I've ever had this year. I don't know why. Normally I'm not that bad with jet lags, but this year I didn't sleep for seven days straight. I didn't Whoa. sleep. That's like one hour and I was wide awake. Do you have tricks to fight I'm jet lag? I'm wide awake, it's morning. That's no, I don't. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have tricks for jet lag? Uh, I don't, I, because I never have, have You never had a problem no, with that? No, no. I, I mean, sometimes I wake up at five, then I read a little, I fall back asleep, and yeah. I can sleep. Normally I can sleep like this in any moment, in every position, on yeah. each couch, chair, whatever it is. Standing, sitting, lying, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um, I don't know what happened this year. Yeah. It was just absolutely crazy. So I, I just hope when I come back, I will be able to sleep a little yeah. to, to play, to see the ball in Stuttgart. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> so you mentioned reading. The last thing, we got, we'll get your recommendations. Favorite books, movies, what music at the moment. consuming pop culture-wise okay, from you Petko's pop culture corner. <laughs> My pop culture corner. Well, you should definitely um, check out the new Metronomy album. I love okay. it. Okay. Did you listen no, to I it? Heard it? It's very, very good. Okay. I love it, and it's normally not my type of music. It's very, very electronic, but it kind of rocks. Okay. So that's one. Then I just watched the movie Blue is the Warmest Color. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that movie. It was, good. it was so good. I loved it, and there were very nice sex scenes. So <laughs> <laughs> very like yeah, that's the kind so of. So anybody who likes sex scenes, and I'm planning. You know what? Everybody who knows the movie will get the joke. I'm planning on. If somebody asked me to which movie they should take their first date, 
I'm planning to send them in blue is the warmest color and just sit at home for two hours and laughing my ass off at the just awkwardness. It's, yeah, yeah, that's gonna, it's be, gonna awkward. be so awkward. <laughs> so I'm so happy to do that. It's a good one to somebody. And I would prefer more that it's a guy. If, imagine if a guy takes a girl that's out true. to that movie. That's true. That would be the best ever. That would be ever, good. ever. You should just go and like put on like a hoodie and sunglasses and sit behind them in the theater and just the be popcorn, like watching popcorn them, watching not them. Watching <laughs> Watching that. <laughs> oh god, I would love my ass off. Then the um, series I'm watching right now, not very regularly unfortunately, but I love it, is Mad Men because mm -hmm. I kind of dig the 60s style. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, I just love the men in suits and smoking mm -hmm. all the time the drinking, with their heads, the, the drinking. Scotch, yeah. I, I want to have scotch all day <laughs> just because I can. I think it's the coolest. And all the girls in their costumes mm -hmm. and looking great and uh, rocking it. So. That's just because of the style. I yeah. don't even know what's happening, actually. Yeah, yeah, you're, just, you're watching on mute. You're just like, you're just like yeah. I like exactly. that chair and I like that suit. And yeah, it's a great show. Exactly. So that. And uh, what didn't I, book, I had? Book, I guess. Oh, book. Yeah, I'm reading right now. I'm reading The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Which is a very old book. The big book one. Yeah. By Alexandre Dumas, and I love it so much. I never thought I would love it. Do you read in German or English? <laughs> I read it right now. I always read in German first, and then I read everything in original language if I know the language. Holy crap! So, seriously? So you go, dude? You reread. That's, that's yeah. a lot of work. And I'm so excited because my next book is Infinite Jest by David oh Foster Wallace, and I'm so excited. In original or in German? Uh, no, first in German and I have both. I have it in German and I have it You're in You're going to read Infinite Jest in German and English? Yeah. That's like 2,600 pages of reading. I know. That's incredible. I love but it. It's amazing. Is it amazing? Yeah. I'm so excited. And the thing is, I love The Count of Monte Cristo, but this book is just on the side of yeah, it, yeah. you know, and I look at it and I'm like, That's such faster. a contrast because you're going to you're gonna read Dumas and it's going to yeah. be like, you know, very traditional literature. Yeah, old exactly. And then Infinite Jest is the complete opposite, Total which is so crazy. experimental kind of like, yeah, I mean, just what he does in terms of the storytelling and all the footnotes, which is crazy. I don't know okay. if you've ever flipped through it, but it's like, no. par like the story. And then there's like tons of footnotes really? that go off into completely different just like, trajectories. In the, in the you, just, you decide your it's own so order cool. to read it I'm and you so kind of have to it's, it's really, I mean, it's really cool. Okay. It's just, but it's, it's like, it's hard to travel yeah. with. I guess, I don't know if you have paper copy or you do like the eBooks, oh, but no, no, no. it's like, it's big. It's like, I, I want to travel with it. It's like, that's why my luggage too heavy. I can't read this book. On Australia. I know, but I'm traveling with four books of this right now because yeah. I always read also non-fiction books. I'm reading something about the First World War also at the same time right now. And the thing is that um, I believe it's weird, but I believe in the strange energies in books. That's mm. why I would never have e-books mm. because I believe if I'm reading Alexandre Dumas and it's I don't know from the 19th or 18th century, I believe I have all this energy of the 18th century around ah. me. Simmering, yeah. You know, I kind of like that idea that yeah. like you're and also you're consuming it the way that it was consumed. Exactly, then. back right. then. Right? Yeah. So that, that's, that's and that's why nice. I would never do e-books because I feel like and I feel my whole room, my room is super empty because I just moved out of, of my parents' house and I bought I bought a new house. So Congratulations. I moved out. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I'm an adult Don't now. Tech out. <laughs> exactly. And my room is totally empty except of the bed and the books that I have. Yeah. And it's like filled with books. And I come in and I feel like yeah. there's hundreds and millions of worlds that are just surrounded in my books. So that's why I would never read e-books. I always buy them. And uh, my in the library that I go to in my city when I come in they're like oh god because I buy like 10 15 books and I everybody has to help me carry them out but uh, yeah but that's my next one David Foster Wallace and I'm so excited but I'll have, we'll have to talk yeah, about that one uh, we have to but I'm I, now that you say it's very intense I, I wonder how it's gonna affect my my tennis because no, it's I get not really intense into, in that way okay. it's just um, 
it's a very challenging read because okay. it does require you to, to think differently. Exactly. You know, whereas like if I read older literature, it just feels it's, like I'm reading like school work. Exactly. You know, like yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I read like this yeah. type of stuff all the time. Yeah. And Infinite Jest was like the first I think book that I that I read in as adult where okay. I was like, I have never read anything really? like this. Like the wow. structure and the storytelling and just and there's tennis in it. Really? Yeah, I heard they are exactly yeah. there's or this a form academy. of tennis. He used, yeah. to do, he used to do tennis writing too. He was a tennis player. He was a junior. He was a really good tennis player. Like he was ranked like number. I think he lived in Illinois. Illinois, like central Illinois, and he was like, yeah. There's he's like four. I can send you them. He's like four really good tennis articles. You enjoy. He's the one that wrote the seminal Federer one. That's called Federer. Federer's religious experience, and it's just it's like the Federer article. It's like in the New Esquire, New York, New York Times Magazine. New York Times. But didn't he commit suicide? Yeah. About four years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Was he depressed or? Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. crazy depressive. Okay. Um, sorry, not crazy depressive, but he was very depressive. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, meds and stuff like that, and okay. then just kind of fell off the, the wagon a little bit. But I mean, sometimes that's that's how your mind has to operate in order to. I know. Sort of I know, but that's that kind of what thing. I that's what I figure now because um, all the like exceptional artists they are all kind of they have something going on, right? Yeah. Something destroys something. them inside. There are very few normals. That's I think true, if yeah. you're normal, you're Coldplay. I like Coldplay, but it's Coldplay. <laughs> you know, and even him. <laughs> even him now. That's the best joke ever. <laughs> but it's like, if you're normal, like, what are you writing about? You write about, like, you know, stable relationships. That was not, that was brutal. <laughs> I said, it's super boring. <laughs> Let the record reflect that Andrea Pekovic is literally, holding over. Her, is literally holding her stomach laughing. <laughs> I can't, this is cosplay. <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard in years. So, so think, speaking of music, to end, you, we get, you get to pick an outro song again for oh, your yeah. segment. I had the best last time. What was it? It last was kind time, of a gangster thing. Last time it you was. did... Um, you rapped for us. Was it wait, Click? On. Yeah, it was Click by Kanye West. Yes. So this time, what is it going to be? This time it's going to be what... Oh, you know what I... And, because it's so embarrassing. Okay. Because it's so embarrassing. I dance with Madison Keys to Timber for Akesha oh, and Pitbull. Yep. Did you see that? We saw the vine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Madison, Madison said that uh, you guys scared everybody off the dance floor. We did. No, I told her uh, the next day, I told her, okay, we were the only two dancing. That only has two reasons. Either we were that good or that bad. <laughs> now go figure. <laughs> Your self-confidence exactly. and all that. You want to know something funny? We recorded Madison two days ago. Okay. She also picked Timber. For the exact, yeah! same, for the exact same reason. <laughs> but this thing there is, I never heard this song before in my life. Before Miami, I mean, yep. not, it wasn't the first time. Same with me. Oh my gosh, I had never heard it. And, and everybody, everybody was, was like, like getting down. And I'm like, okay, I don't know this song. This is kind of embarrassing. Everybody knows it. Kesha's great. Kesha's great. Kesha's and Kesha is... I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Iconic. We're yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. And then, but just to finish it off, it was even more embarrassing. The next song that came that the Madison and me were dancing was this, Let's Do It Tonight. Oh, yeah. And, and you know why I know this song? Because I watched Pitch Perfect in an airplane. <laughs> I never heard the song in an original version. Yeah, it I just knew it from, from Pitch Perfect. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this song. It's from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. And, 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 and Indy oh, Wells okay. last year, she watched Pitch Perfect at least six times. In the two I did. Years. And most of those songs, it's so good. It's so good. But I, I didn't know any of like almost like probably 
eighty percent of the songs that they they sing. No diggity, you knew. I know diggity, obviously. I knew. Like yeah. basically all of those in that scene. Yeah, I knew because that's like the stuff 80s. I grew up with, right? But then like everything else, I was like, I don't know. Like know everybody's like, oh, I can't believe they mashed this and that. I'm like, I don't know what they mashed. I thought that was just a song that like, was already pre-existing that they just sang. Exactly the same with me. But I also love the movie. I have. To yeah, say. it's great. And I can't believe I didn't meet Rebel Wilson. She was in uh, yeah, India, India Wells, Wells apparently. No oh bad. really? I didn't. Yeah, know she that. was hitting with no. Well, she was part of the hitting with no Well, the desert. Smash yeah. thing, okay. Um, uh, exhibition thing. So That's she was cool. hitting with Novak and Will Ferrell and cool. all that sort of stuff. Not bad. So okay. Timber for uh, because of medicine. It's going there down. There you go. Going. It's down. a matching phone. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're yelling. Thank you, Matt. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Thank you. thank you. Always a pleasure. Right. No, Good luck in the It's going down. I'm yelling timber. You better move. You better dance. Let's make a night. You won't remember, I'll be the one you won't forget Okay. Uh, what, what is their lineage today? W what is the lineage? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, what is their... Like, ah, legacy. Okay, thank you. Oh, I think we can't thank them enough, you know. I'm, uh, I'm a huge feminist myself, and I, I, really, um, I really believe in the independency of women and uh, the strength and, um, and the power of women, not women's tennis, just women in general. And I, uh, I am so grateful that there were these women before us that fought the fight for us and were just having these comfortable lives, you know, and uh, sort of um, sitting in a, in a bed that's been already made for us. And, uh, and I just, the only thing that I can do is just appreciate it and thank them every time I see them. And um, I just feel a, a huge respect when I see Billie Jean King and, and the others. So for me, it's just, um, it's just a, thing of gratefulness and sort of admiring and also taking them as an idol maybe that um, things are possible to change and that um, that there are always these role models that that um, take a different path and uh, and that's very inspiring I think I, that sounded very smart <laughs> considering that I didn't even understand your question in the beginning right <laughs> uh, I, ma I made a good comeback <laughs> Fights still need to be fought for women in tennis. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't. I don't think um, it's ever going to be an. Um, uh, I don't think that's ever going to be an end to this story. I think it's just a consistent journey that is there and that we have to go each day. Just because, you know, um, I get it that the men's are, I guess, bigger stars. But then again, Maria and Serena and Venus, um, they are crossover pop stars, you know. And uh, and I think. It's just a uh, it's, it's just a matter of um, sort of um, taking the attention and and uh, and not being afraid of taking the attention and being proud of the attention that we get because I think um, the girls do, do an amazing job every day and they they fight their hearts out there and they try their best to to be there out there and and strong and powerful and giving an, an example to little girls. So um, I think there's still a lot to be done, but then again, um, we're trying every day and um, just trying to, you know, to be a good role model and idol for the little girls out there. You were singing on the changeover. Yeah, because Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> that was my question song. <laughs> it was Justin Timberlake. <laughs> In USA, April is National Poetry Month. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Everywhere. 
Nice. Yeah, I'm really bad, but. <laughs> oh no, oh no. Sorry? Oh no, I won't because it's really bad. You know, when you write, I don't know anybody who has ever written some. I mean, or, I mean, obviously you write, you're a journalist. <laughs> but I mean, anybody who has ever written a poem feels like freaking Goethe at that time and I'm writing a poem and I'm reading it I'm like I'm a genius why has nobody discovered me and then when I read it back a month later I realize how bad I suck actually <laughs> and then I forbid myself of writing for the next three months and then you know I get this kind of emotional phase where I have to express myself <laughs> and then again shitty poetry comes out of me <laughs> excuse my words <laughs> I actually I don't know why he came to South Carolina but um, well when he was when he was a tennis player it was communism in, in Yugoslavia back then and so they didn't really have any chances to get out of it except for for education and so uh, I think he had an offer um, of the college team the Gamecocks here in, in Colombia and uh, and so he came he came and he really enjoyed it he came with me actually here last year and he was so happy because everybody was like oh nice to have you back <laughs> and he was all proud but unfortunately this year he couldn't come he had to work so um hopefully next year he's he's going to come again with me yeah. back to your dad do you have any <laughs> yeah. stories of culture shock or anything because Yugoslavia yeah well he told me i don't know a lot but i know one anecdote he told me he said when he came here it was in the was it 80s late 70s 80s maybe and everybody was wearing cowboy boots <laughs> and he said he had never seen that in his life and blue jeans you know and so the first thing when he had some money he bought a blue jeans and uh, cowboy boots and he was so happy and he when he came and you know i don't know do you know my dad He's so vain, you know, he thinks he's the most beautiful guy in the world. <laughs> and so he was, the only thing that he was looking forward to, coming back to Yugoslavia and rocking his blue jeans and his cowboy boots. And so he was in a train, I don't, I don't know where he uh, landed, but he was in a train and he forgot both the blue jeans and the cowboy boots, so he came back and he had nothing. <laughs> and, and this is why vanity is one of the seven deaths. <laughs> Eric, no Oxford coaching? I know. <laughs> she was Peter. As a yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I don't want to do it anymore, to be honest, because I feel like I'm uh, 26 years old now, and I'm very experienced. I'm a big girl. I can handle myself. <laughs> no, but um, the thing is, you know, um, Peter helped me a lot on court, and, uh, but on, in the Grand Slams, he, can, he cannot come out. And I, um, I really in the late stages of my career. I'm talking as if I'm <laughs> retiring in the coming year. I'm not, I'm here, I'm not here to go. <laughs> but um, I feel like, you know, I want to I wanna do well in the Grand Slams and uh, I really want to uh, play well there and I just want to get used to being alone on the court, making my own decisions. And, um, and also the talk that I have with Eric was like, he wants me to get to the place where I can analyze inside the match and just look at him and he can confirm, you know, that's the ideal part. So I can also in the Grand Slams sort of um, find the solutions. Today I, I lost the first set 6-1 and I knew what the problem was. I knew I was behind, I was um, 
I was too late for the shots and I was too short and I have to, as a tennis player you have to be able that's why I picked the sport you have to be able to make your own decisions on the court by yourself and that's why I'm trying to get uh, to don't get the coach out anymore yeah yesterday you mentioned that your first one or two years you um, you were like wow there's Rafa there's Serena um, I was wondering if young players now were like Oh, I'm playing Serena, yeah, whatever, you know, like... Yeah, uh, the generation definitely changed. You know, I always uh, give the example, in my school, when I was in school, I went to school. <laughs> when I was in school, and I was in fifth grade, and the 13 graders, I mean, in Germany it's a little different, the 13 graders were walking past me, I was in awe, you know, oh, the big ones, the teenagers smoking, being all cool with their backpacks and, you know, the pants down their knees. I thought they were the coolest in the world. And when they were walking past me, I was like, please don't see me, please don't see me, please don't see me. And then when I was in the 13th grade, the fifth, the, the fifth graders, they were running around, hitting our backpacks, throwing at us balls and stuff. They didn't respect us at all. And the new, but that's good, you know, the new, for, the te for tennis, it's good. For me as a 13th grader, I wanted to be the cool one, but I wasn't. <laughs> so, um, you know, I feel like in tennis it's the same. The new generation doesn't care about the names anymore. They're just, um, just very confident and uh, they believe in themselves a lot, and, which is great for tennis, but I was just never the type of person I needed a lot of experience. And, um, and so, yeah, but it's good for them, I guess. <laughs> We'll take our first question from our for our 2014 champions. Andre, you just seem to have so much fun and invite people to have fun right along with you. When was the last week of tennis you had this much fun? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, that's a good question. I really don't remember. But um, but there was also a point that I talked about with with my coach that. I needed to, uh, and that's why this doubles with Jelena, strangely, even though we just played two matches, helped me so much. Um, I just wanted to get back to the to why I started playing tennis, because I had fun playing it and because I love the sports and I think it's the most amazing sport out there. For me, everybody has their own opinion, obviously, but uh, for me, it's one of the most beautiful sports out there. And I just needed to remember, to remind myself why I started in the beginning, because it was fun and just getting back to playing tennis and not trying to win matches all the time you know that's obviously uh, a reason why I play but it's not the reason why I play and uh, I just needed to remind myself and it came together this week and I'm, I'm very thrilled about that. Andrea, a little more than a year ago you were ranked outside the top 175. Yeah. So in the last well, I had a lot of low points, but I think the lowest, lowest, low point was last year at the French Open when I lost second round qualies um, against a girl that was ranked maybe 160 and I, I played awful and I, I, that's when I wanted to stop. That's when I wanted to stop. Although I also wanted to stop after I lost the match against Georgie and Indian Wells. So I had, I had a lot of these moments where I wanted to stop playing. <laughs> but, uh, but somehow I always kept, kept doing what I do, did. And I, I kept uh, not believing but wanting it, I guess. I didn't believe, uh, believe it at all in certain moments. But I kept wanting it. And that's why I, um, that's why I kept working. And um, I'm, I'm very thankful that it paid off in the end. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the question is when you hit those moments, when mm. you have those dark times, how do you keep going? Because you're a type of player and a mm. person who you can do probably other things. Yeah. 
Yeah. So why tennis? Well, that's a very good question. I ask myself that question every second day, <laughs> and uh, especially in those slow moments when uh, when I want to stop, I, and I always make a list. What will I become? What would I do if I wouldn't play tennis? And then I think it through, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm kind of happy being a tennis player. <laughs> and so, uh, so as long as I have this feeling, well, I'm kind of happy being a tennis player. I think that's uh, that's as long as I keep, I will keep going and will keep playing, and um, and hopefully it will it will be a few more years. <laughs> is this vindication for all? You said you're a doubter. That all the decisions mm. that you've made over the course of the last year, changing your training schedule, yeah. all those sort of things. So, is this vindication for all of that? I, I hope so, yeah. I mean, I know myself so well, and I know there's going to be a moment again where I'm going to be uh, sitting in my room crying and doubting everything. And, and uh, so, I just hope I can remind myself of this moment and sort of what I've said now in the press conference, and maybe I can read back the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> And just uh, just to remind myself that um, that, that there there were moments where I felt like I was on the right track because there will come moments where I feel like I'm whole on on the whole other track. So um, hopefully I can always remind myself to look at the trophy and uh, and believe that I'm that I'm making sometimes good decisions. <laughs> For the next week, no more emo music. Or is that <laughs> I still love Bonnie Bear, you know. <laughs> I'm still gonna listen to emo music, but. Uh, but yeah, but maybe I'm also going to listen to Shakira. Coldplay. <laughs> 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 is the best. <laughs> Can you delete Coldplay is the best? <laughs> <laughs> I stand to my um, to my uh, things that I say. <laughs> so, uh, how are you going to celebrate? Oh, I'm celebrating by flying back home, <laughs> and that's the best celebration ever because I can't wait to get home. I, I'm here for nine weeks, I think, and uh, I'm really ready to go home. I'm gonna have champagne, and uh, I don't even drink champagne, but I'm just gonna have it for the heck of it, you know, <laughs> in the airplane. I'm gonna get drunk on the. I never did that. I never got drunk in the airplane. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to walk around and dance with the cabin attendants. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to let them touch my trophy. Maybe, maybe. I don't even know if they, if they can... Oh, yeah, I will drink champagne from my trophy. It's going to be fantastic. I won't be able to come to Fed Cup. I'm sorry. Adrian, I don't know if uh, you heard super fan yelling for you today. Yeah, of course. Taking photos, I've heard her every moment. And when you all score straight games in the first set, she said, girl, what is wrong with you? <laughs> funny I love her she came this morning when I was warming up she came to my to the practice court and she was so funny I love her she's so cool she's like yo girl yo <laughs> you're rocking it today I feel it in my blood you're gonna win this tournament today you're gonna win this tournament today and I'm like okay come on <laughs> as long as you believe in it you know I'm happy but she's amazing. No, I, I'm I'm happy. You know, these uh, these fans are part of the reason why we play tennis. Just because it's uh, 
it's uh, such a giving and taking, you know. You say I made her happy, but she made me as as happy as I made her probably. So it's just this give and take, and uh, it's it's been amazing, yeah, with having her around. <laughs>